welcome back to the Home to Self podcast. I am very excited to have a new friend on here, Hannah Shoshana. Shoshana, you are a licensed psychotherapist, a social worker, and you have so many different modalities that you use to help your clients, such as past life regression, psychedelic assisted therapy, EMDR, gut healing, amongst many others that I'm excited to talk to you about. And I am just so happy to have met you. We met at a 4th of July party recently through a mutual friend and I just felt instantly connected to you you had such warm like welcoming energy and then the moment you started talking about your work I was like wow I was so intrigued to hear more and it sounds like you've just you know trained in so many different modalities and tools that encompass all mind body and spirit healing which is so powerful and it's you know this holistic view of health and wellness that I love talking about And so I'm so excited to bring you onto the show and share more of your story and the powerful work that you're doing to help, help the collective heal, you know, starting with the individual. So first and foremost, thank you so much for coming on. I am really excited to have you. So much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to talk more about the work that I do. And yeah, I'm just always excited to geek out about all this stuff. So thanks for for (laughs) geeking with me. Absolutely. I am very excited as well. So first and (laughs) foremost, because I'm just getting to know you too, and I would love to give a little bit more of your background to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about your story. Like, who is Hannah? How did you get to this point in your life? And what is it that inspired you to even get into this field? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, like so many healers, right? Like my own healing path is what brought me into this work. Um, and gosh, I mean, it started, it probably started a lot further back than, than what I decided was the start period. But yeah, like back in college, I, I came out to Denver. I ended up very quickly getting a sinus infection as many people in Colorado can attest happens. Um, I ended up getting really sick because of that sinus infection and being treated with antibiotics, which completely ruined my gut health. Um, and ruined my mental health and led me down this path of having to really like clean up my gut, which led to my mental health healing. And then this amazing connection was just made so clear to me of like the connection between gut health and mental health and how they are so deeply interconnected. They're inseparable and specifically the connection between sugar and mental health. And so I kind of launched into this obsession of, you know, sugar as a drug, as this addictive substance that's affecting how we think and see and perceive our world and wanting to really like get down and dirty and study that interaction of how how sugar impacts our mental health via the gut health, the gut brain access. I ended up taking that more the like the interpersonal route and um, becoming a social worker to be able to incorporate my understanding of gut health into my practice. And all of these other amazing modalities really kind of like popped into my field along the way in the same way, right? Like I was going through something and then I was like, huh, I wonder if I can apply this framework, right? Of like past life regression therapy that really came to me through my own traumatic experiences um, and realizing that what I was experiencing didn't fully feel like it was relevant to my current experience. And so that led me to finding past life regression therapy, which I then was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This helped me so 
much. I want to be able to help other people in the same way. Same with psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. And so really it's kind of like as I moved through my own healing processes, these um, different approaches came to me. I was affected deeply by them. And then I learned about them, was trained in these modalities and then began to incorporate them into my practice. And so whew, it's just kind of this like random amalgamation of all these like really fun and cool tools that I just love, love, love to play with and love to bring into uh, my practice, getting to give permission to my clients to be able to incorporate them as well. That's beautiful. I am interested to hear more about like your upbringing. Did you have this natural sense of wanting to help others and just kind of think about like did you have the thought of becoming a therapist down the road or was it really just your you know your own healing and your own experience of going and and experiencing these different modalities that influenced you to become a therapist yeah that's a good question I think it was always in my field but it was always something I pushed away I was like I can't be a therapist I don't want to be a therapist like it almost felt like it was always looming and I was like no that's not for me right like I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't want that fate. (laughs) And it was just kind of like, no, this is for you. This is what you're going to do. But it was never like, oh, I want to be a therapist when I get older. I actually, I think if anything, I wanted to be, I always had this like deep curiosity for like, that like there has to be more, like there more than what meets the eye. Like I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with like the show house and like, you know, how there's this doctor who was like going beyond what like the medical system offered and like kind of like seeing things from a different perspective. Um, I think that, you know, I've always been curious, like how to, how these different like experiences have impacted me. Um, I'm an oldest child, so I definitely grew up like kind of in a caretaking role. Um, and so I think that that was part of it, but so much of it, yeah, just kind of like took root later in life, I would say. And just, just very naturally, even like spiritually, I did not grow up spiritual. I grew up in a very, you know, non-spiritual household, non-religious. Um, and it all really came through to me later on in life. Again, as I was going through it, it was like, oh, these are resources mm-hmm. that you need. And so these are resources that kind of like arrived and I had to feel it to believe it is really kind mm-hmm. of how my spirituality has gone and also how these different modalities have gone, right? It's like I needed to experience it firsthand in order to really like incorporate it into my understanding of the world. And yeah, same with therapy. Like I even say like, I didn't even understand the power of therapy until I became a therapist. Like I had seen therapists Mm -hmm. across my lifetime and they were all, all right. Like, you know, I was like, okay, this, yeah, we talk. Like I didn't really understand it until I started working with people. I'm like, oh, we can go really deep and like really uproot some deep stuff. But that was never an experience I had with any of my therapists. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm really, I'm really an experiential learner is what I'm I'm saying. None of this was thought out in advance. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. And I feel like that's also kind of a metaphor for life. You know, it it definitely Mm -hmm. takes us down very authentic journeys to us and what we're here to learn and what we're here to bring to the world. But it's, it's really interesting, because this gateway with uh, gut health being kind of the thing that started you off on all this is so interesting, because that's exactly what it was for me too. I had so many digestive issues going through college and I mean it probably started way before that but it really intensified in college and then after that it's what inspired me to like start to take health into my own hands because I wasn't getting the answers from the mainstream approach um the mainstream medical system and then from there it just yeah it kept going like a layer deeper and deeper and deeper and here we are and now I'm like so fascinated by all of this too so 
I think it's really beautiful to 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 go back and look at like, oh, what is it that like brought me to this point? Because it it once you zoom out, it really is obvious how people got to where they are by their own journey and their own struggles. And you know, it's so often that I see people's greatest struggles become like the work that they end up being so passionate about. And so it's really interesting to hear that. And I'd love to I'd love for you to explain before we dive a little bit deeper into some of these different modalities that you incorporate in your in your work. Let's just break down trauma for a second because I know that there's a lot of people out there who are kind of put off by that word or or just feel like, well, that doesn't I don't have any like because they're thinking of big T trauma, like really traumatic events that have happened in their lives. But, you know, when we talk about therapy, it's like it's becoming a lot more um like normal and to talk about like destigmatized or whatever people feel less shameful of talking about it and i think that that's so cool because we all have some form of past experiences that were painful in some way and whether it was or wasn't in our own lives generationally too it just gets passed down and so and i think it's all part of the the process of being human is, is healing and integrating these different pieces um to to incorporate more of like a well-rounded picture of who we are and what we're here to do. So if you'd like to just break that apart a little bit, like why can anyone benefit from some of these modalities and just healing in general, even if they don't feel like they have big T trauma? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a really important question, especially with trauma just being kind of blown up as this almost like this word that almost is so overused that it's like, what does that even mean anymore? Right. I think mm-hmm. it's important to have these nuanced conversations of like, yeah, what, what is this and what does that even mean? And so, yeah, the way I frame it and kind of the way I build my practice is about getting to the root of whatever it is that's causing distress or difficulty in your life. Right. And so, yes, we, we can conceptualize it as trauma. It almost always fits in that description. Um, but really like when we, when we zoom in, right, I'm always about zooming in and zooming out. So I love that you said that earlier. Um, like what was the defining moment that made you show up in this way, right? Like we, we all go through life, we have experiences and these experiences cause us to interpret our world in a certain way. Right. And so Mm -hmm. in, the experience might be a varying level of difficulty, right? It might be a capital T trauma where it's something that really threatened your life and, you know, frightened you to the point that you weren't sure that you would make it out of it, right? Or it could be a lower, lowercase T trauma where it was something that was really impactful um, and a big deal for you, but you weren't, your life wasn't threatened, right? Because that's the, the DSM talks about about that a lot. Right. And yet it still had an impact. Um, and so, you know, example of this might be your, I use this often, but you know, you're a young child, you love to sing and be loud and perform. And like, you have a busy single parent, you know, mom or whoever it is. Right. And they, they tell you to stop or to shut up or to cool it or calm down. Right. Whatever it is. And that, that creates a belief system in you, right? Of like, it's not okay for me to be loud or my voice isn't good enough to be heard or I have to be small because my bigness is not okay, right? And we begin to function off of this belief because our brains are made to try to make sense of our world and try to kind of put things in categories and label things nice and neat. Um, And so oftentimes as adults, we're functioning off of belief systems that came out of difficult experiences that happened when we were little and 
just like computers, like we need to update our software. And so the work that I do is all about getting to the root of like what caused this belief system in the first place. How do we upgrade, update the software? Like, is that something you still need? Do you need to still functioning off of this belief that it's not okay to be big? Or was that protective when you were five years old and now you're 25 years old and it's okay to be big. You're, it's okay. Like that's acceptable in your environment. And so that's kind of how I conceptualize like trauma or just kind of these like dysfunctional patterns that we find ourselves getting caught in. Hmm. I'm so glad you explained that. Cause it's like, everyone can resonate with that. You know, it's like, it's part of what makes us us that we then start to like unbecome just so that we can come back full circle to who the, who we were when we first arrived and, you know, just yeah. a more true version of us that feels just easier. Like that's the way that I have explained it through my own experience more is like, I felt like I always used to try really hard to like fit in or like be a certain way mm -hmm. and like hide the parts that I learned weren't good or weren't, um, yeah, worthy of being shown and then show up more in the ways that I thought I needed to. And it's like, it's kind of exhausting to feel like you need to show up in a certain way when, you know, when you start doing more of this healing work, it just feels like you can kind of let down those protective mechanisms and be more of you, whatever comes naturally. And so, you know, even if you just want to view it that way, like it, it, it is beneficial to engage in whatever healing modality works for you to, to uncover more of that and feel more like life just feels easier in many ways. Getting that safety. Mm -hmm. And so what I love too, like I mentioned earlier, is that you have all these different tools to help people get there. Because I think that a lot of like the, I don't know, your average therapy sessions like are, you know, they use a couple tools, but a lot of them are just in, in the same kind of field. Whereas I, it seems like with you, you know, you've taken from so many different fields to help people and help the individual as a unique person. Cause you know, some people are more heady. Some people are more stuck in their feelings and like not able to move past them. And so I would imagine that these different tools help you to really help the person in front of you. And, um, and so I'd like to, to talk a little bit more about these different ones, at least some of the main ones that stood out to me, starting first with psychedelic assisted therapy. Cause I, I know I've talked about this on this show many times, how I have just experienced such profound healing and transformation using plant medicines on my own, not really in a therapy setting, but I'm interested to hear more about this form of therapy and why it can be so powerful for people. And I know there's still kind of discretions about how it's able to be used, but just even just as a modality in general, like what, is, what could it offer us potentially? Absolutely. I think... I mean, it is so incredibly powerful working with these plant medicines. Um, and we are at this really amazing turning point in, in history, really, um, where it's starting to come back into our, our consciousness as a tool that can be used in this way. Um, and I think that really speaks to this need to really start to begin to get out of our heads. And this is a big, this is my big ethos within my practice, um, logos, I should say of getting out of our heads and into our bodies, right? Like mm. as a society, we have been trained to think, 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 overthink, think about everything. Like what's the next thing you're going to do? How are you going to do it? Right? Like all of our energy is up here. And that is, that is why we are all suffering, right? Like as long as we're up here, we're going to be, we're going to be struggling. Um, and so my intention in general with all of my modalities, with everything I do, um, is always to help people get out of their head and into their bodies and, 
you know, I think psychedelics are so beautiful in that way in that, you know, they, they really kind of shut, shut this down. They, they throw you into a non-ordinary state of consciousness, um, something that is not easily interpreted by our ordinary minds. <laughs> um, and so it forces you to, to come into your body, to come into yourself, especially within the therapeutic context, right? Um, it's a lot different than taking psychedelics recreationally where you, you know, you might be out, you might be interacting with other people, with the world around you. Within the therapeutic context, right, you have your eye mask on, you have your headphones mm -hmm. on. Um, the space is very intentionally set, intended to, um, so that you don't have to think about anything else that's going on. Your only job is to just go within. Um, and really the, the goal of the therapist, or at least my goal, is to help assure you that there's nothing in the outside world that you need to, to tend to. You can really like stop thinking and just be fully present. And in doing so, right, really creating a new neural pathway, a new way of being that allows you to, again, come down into yourself and build this pathway of trust, which ultimately everything comes down to, right, once we kind of absolve ourselves of all of these unnecessary belief systems, um, once we clear our gut, we're clearing our, our channel, right, um, and we're teaching ourselves how to be present, how to trust ourselves, how to trust our environment, how to trust our world, um, and that's that's the reteaching and psychedelics is like a crash course in that and it's not an end-all be-all it's not a panacea like there is so much more work that comes after but I find that it's really helpful for the folks who have like really plateaued with I, I often have people come from regular talk therapy they're like I've gotten as far as I can can go just talking about this stuff right and it's because they understand it all logically they get it every angle they know why they are how they are they know where their patterns came from they understand it, but they're not being physically present with it in the way that they need to in order to move through it. And so it's all about breaking out of this and into this. And sometimes, you know, you need an additional layer of medicine in order to really like face what it is that's standing between you and your next level of healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're so powerful. And it's again, it's not the thing for everyone. Like, I really think if like you're interested in it, then that can be a sign you can look into, but mm -hmm. it's also not the only tool out there. And we're going to talk about many mm -hmm. others that don't involve any psychoactive substances. But yep. yeah, I just I personally feel like psychedelics allowed me to view a lot of the the painful experiences and patterns in my life without any judgment, without any mm -hmm. shame. And it's it's that resistance to it that I think often like blocks us from being able to access it and feel it and complete that. Um, and so for myself, it just like, I was able to see so much more of what happened in my life that like create, like made me who I am today and, and just view it with so much love and compassion from like a greater perspective that allowed it to kind of soften and, and integrate. But yeah, there's, there's so much after of like taking, taking what you saw, taking what you learned during these experiences and actually putting them into action. I think that's where the transformation truly happens, but it's so cool to see that these modalities modalities are slowly making their way back in and um, that there's people like you that can offer assistance in this, you know? And so it's, it's really cool. And I, I wonder if there are any tips that we can give people who may be interested in this form of therapy, but you know, cause it is still kind of on that edge. So it's like, how, what would you say to people who are interested in like, just to maybe start doing their own research or is there anywhere else they could go to, to see when it starts to become more available. 
Yeah, MAPS is a fantastic research or resource. It's a multidisciplinary association for psychedelic sciences. They have so much research. Research. Wow, I'm just switching words left and right here. Um, so much research, and you know they're just doing an amazing job of of cultivating so much. Um, you know, kind of like Western wisdom on this topic in this field. Um, I would also say to look into ketamine-assisted therapy, which is widely legal um, across the country. Um, mm -hmm. Along those lines, though, making sure that it's not just a ketamine clinic where they're just giving you infusion, an infusion and sending you home. Um, there are ketamine clinics that do it the right way, um, that have, you know, therapists on staff or, or well-trained psychedelic coaches on staff um, to help make it a more fruitful experience. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's a danger of like just going to a ketamine infusion place, getting infusion and leaving. Yes, it might help kind of like put you in remission with depression or depressive symptoms or SI for a little bit, um, but you're not going to necessarily see that long lasting change. And so um, I think looking for folks who are able to really like take you deeper within that experience with ketamine uh, is always really important. And I always try to kind of help people understand ketamine assisted therapy in that way, because it is so widely accessible and yet so often done really poorly. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not impossible. You just have to do, you just have to do your research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think with psychedelics in general, you know, it's, it's like they're a tool and it's all about the intention and how they're used and, mm -hmm. um, just making sure that you're coming from the right intention and, and putting it out there. I think that, you know, it'll find you in a way too. And when it, when it's your time, as long as you're doing your research and, and putting the intention out there, at least that's, that's the way it happened for me. And, um, but again, this isn't for everyone. And so I'm excited to talk about these next ones a little bit more starting with past life regression. Cause I think this is one that's like very, like it's not as common and some people may have never heard about it. And so I'm interesting to explore this because I, I know that there are, it's like kind of psychedelic in nature in terms of like you, you can almost enter these different states of consciousness, but not taking anything. And so I'm interested to hear more about what past life regressions are, how does it work and, and why is it powerful for people? Like what can it help them with? Life regression is so incredibly powerful. Um, it's essentially a form of hypnosis that allows us to kind of explore again altered states of consciousness. It makes essentially all of your memories ooh, accessible. So what we do when I when I guide clients into this state, and I do it both one on one, so individually um, or in groups. Uh, within the individual past life regressions, my clients are able to talk to me as they're exploring these spaces. So they're deeply relaxed in a very deep um, state of yeah relaxation and just very chill. Um, but they're able to state and explore kind of where they're going, what they're seeing, what they're doing. Um, and so we first go back to early childhood memories, which I find can be some of the most potent memories to explore because so, so many people report not having very many memories or very vivid memories of their childhood in this lifetime. Um, and so even those clients, even those clients who don't remember their childhood are often able to see really vividly and re-experience these memories from early childhood, which can be really, really beautiful. Um, 
And we go back as far as um, in utero or just after birth. And so, so many clients are able to vividly experience being in utero, you know, even zooming out a little bit, seeing their mom, seeing what their mom is wearing, seeing the apartment that their mom lived in when they were pregnant with them, right? Like so vivid, so amazing. Um, it's really, really amazing what people report and how they experience it. It's really that like felt sense that always strikes me every time, right? People go in, they're like, I don't know if I'm going to have an experience. I don't know if this is going to work. Um, and then they're like, oh my God, I feel it. My whole body feels different. Like their hand, like they're like, my hands feel like, you know, they're my three-year-old hands, right? Like I'm touching, they can, it's so visceral um, and so incredibly psychedelic. And then we go back into to what we may or may not see as memories from previous incarnations. So essentially the way I conceptualize it is that our soul, you know, it's in our body presently, but it has had other experiences in other bodies. Um, other people may see it as like a dreamlike state. Either way, when we go back into these memories or these experiences, sometimes they offer a greater understanding or more context for certain ways we show up in our current lifetime um and so there's often a theme usually there's some sort of like golden thread that i'm able to see as the therapist that links some of the early childhood memories that we explore to the lifetime that folks see um and it really is so so beautiful and so deep i will say i had an interesting experience two weekends ago so i um, in addition to private practice, I also work uh, at a an institute helping to train other therapists as psychedelic assisted psychotherapists. Mm -hmm. And so I hold space for a lot of therapists who are sitting with ketamine. Um, and this weekend in particular, there was a therapist who wasn't able to receive ketamine because their blood pressure was high. So I offered a past life regression. Other folks were in ketamine. My client was in deep hypnosis and there ended up being a, a disruptive incident in the clinic um and the folks who were on ketamine they were like they like came out of their experience because they heard the commotion and they didn't feel safe and they were unclear and the my client who was hypnotized they knew something was happening but they they like could sense that it was going to be okay they could almost they said that they were almost zoomed out and they could like see what was happening they sent the people love and they were like i'm okay to keep going like they stayed in and this person had such a deep trauma history of violence and and so here i am like oh my god are they gonna are they gonna come out are they gonna be nervous and they were like totally fine so deeply hypnotized and i was like oh my gosh this is this is the power of our own mind right like so many people are so quick to want to do psychedelics to want to you know, try something different. And meanwhile, our mind is so capable and powerful that it can go into these spaces of like really shutting down again our thinking brain so that we can explore our subconscious. Um, and we don't need plant medicine or entheogens to do that. And so just we'll forever be amazed by the power of hypnosis and past life regression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so powerful. I love hearing these stories because Again, it, it just shows you the capabilities that you have of taking yourself into these deeper states. And it's so fascinating to me how much is stored in our subconscious and in our bodies that we just have no like conscious recollect recollection of until we dive deeper into these different states of mind. And mm -hmm. and I've always found that really interesting because I'm also one of those people that feels like I don't remember much of my childhood. But the moment that I like 
a lot of times for me, it comes through like, um, like a, like if I smell something or just see something particular, like it'll like reignite one of those memories. And so it's really interesting. I've I've told you that I was really interested in doing past life regression too, and see what comes up there. Um, I'm wondering if you have another example that you can share, you know, without naming anyone, of course, but like how maybe going into past life regressions has helped them with something they were facing in the in present day moment. Absolutely. Gosh, some of the ones that I'm most touched by are relational experiences within past life regression. So um, I have one memory in particular of uh, somebody who, you know, we went into past life regression. And oftentimes I, especially first timers, I tell them, don't hold a specific intention, right? You can have an intention that's like, I just want to see what I need to see or, right? Like kind of very general, vague intention. We're not looking for anything in particular the first time, right? Um, because my intention is to, again, allow your mind to like, to quiet. And if you have a specific intention, you might be like, oh, well, where is this thing that I'm looking for? And so mm-hmm. this was a first timer. They were having an experience. They saw a lifetime where they were they were their mom's mom so in their current lifetime their mom is their mom in this past lifetime they were their mother's mother um and they came out of it and again had not been looking for this and they were like oh my goodness this is why my mom is always coming to me you know for approval for help for right like they have always felt that they were caretaking for their mom in this specific way. And the way their they mom their mom showed up for them was different than what they had hoped for. But coming out of it and seeing this this dynamic helped them shift their relationship with their mom present day to be able to accept the love in the form that their mom was able to give them and to be able to give back in the way that that their mom was hoping from them, right? And to have more compassion for how things played out the way that they that they are. And so that one's so beautiful. I've seen kind of like the long standing effects and gosh, I mean, it just always strikes me how our present day relationships are not always, it, it's, that's not how it is, has always been, right? Like we've, we've known each other in different capacities across lifetimes. And so mm-hmm. sometimes that can really deeply affect dynamics in very weird ways. Yeah. It's so fascinating. There's so many layers to this, depending on how deep you want to go. But I think it's just like really the the understanding that like when you see things from a greater perspective and, and more context to the belief that you hold, it can dissolve the original belief or at least like infuse it with more compassion so that you have because you have a greater understanding of why things are the way they are. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we make meanings to protect ourselves or the way that we saw them and we think that the, that's true about the world or about our relationships and then when we have an experience like this of any kind that kind of like breaks that open and, and see allows you to see it from a different perspective. It's like that in and of itself is so healing because then you just see it differently and you're like, oh, okay, like I guess the way that I was perceiving it isn't the only way. And then it just softens you and allows you to have so much more compassion. So it's so cool to hear that. Exactly, exactly. It's all about perspective. It really is. And then, okay, so gut health. I want to jump to gut health because like I said, this was such a big part of my story as well. And this is one where, you know, we're not dealing directly with the mind, which is really cool. Um, And we're also not going into any altered state of consciousness, but gut health is like 
out about so much more people understand that there is a connection between gut health and mental health. But I'd love for you to explain that a little bit deeper because, you know, it, it's just crazy to think that they are so deeply connected and it's kind of a two-way street um, and the foods that we eat and just the, the lifestyle that we live can have such an impact, not only on our physical health, but also the way that it affects us mentally, which I just think is so fascinating. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that it is so much more well-rooted in public consciousness now than it was 10 years ago when I stumbled into the connection. Because at first I was like, I have to go out. I have to be the one who does this research. And I cannot do science to save my life. I mean, I could do bio, cannot do chemistry to save my life. Um, so I'm so glad that I get to work with people in this regard rather than having to like be in a lab proving points. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really, really grateful for that. But yeah, it has such a direct connection, such an immense correlation, right, between what we're feeding our bodies and how we how we see our worlds. Um, yeah, I mean, our gut, we, we know, now know that there's a gut-brain axis, right? Our vagus nerve runs from all the way up here to all the way to, to our root. Um, and it is like our gut microbes, they have a direct access to our brain, right? And mm -hmm. so the way I like to describe it is that like we, we are a whole ecosystem for a whole host of other little beings that live in us. We are their world. Um, and they, you know, whether they thrive or not is based on what we put in our bodies, what we eat, how we feed ourselves, and they can communicate and tell us what they need for better or for worse, right? And so this is kind of my link into this was candida, which is a, a yeast mm. that a lot of a lot of people know now. Um, some people still don't, but it's a yeast that we all have, um, commonly known for for causing um infections. Um, but we also have it in our gut, which a lot of people aren't aware of. It's totally normal and healthy to have there, but when it's unbalanced, it can cause a whole host of, of issues, including, you know, digestive issues first and foremost, but, you know, rashes, anxiety, depression, all these mental health struggles, um, in addition to very intense sugar cravings, because what the candida needs is mm -hmm. sugar in order to survive. And so the way I like to explain this to clients when they're saying I'm really struggling with sugar, like I can't stop myself from eating it, right? It's not you. Like, I, I also do parts work, so I find that this is a really helpful framework, right? It's like we have our capital S self, and then we have other parts of us that are showing up. But we also have parts of us that are not us. Like, we have a candida part that is not us. It is not doing what is in our best interest. It's doing what's in its best interest. Um, and in order for candida to survive, and this is just one example of many other microbes that live in our system, it needs us to eat sugar and a lot of it. And so this often comes up when people are trying to quit sugar and they start noticing that they feel horrible, like worse than they've ever felt. They start craving things like maybe it's not even they're not even like craving the typical sugary things, but they're like, I just need potatoes. I like like potatoes sound really good right now. Right. And maybe they're even like disguising it as like a savory dish. But really, you know, potatoes are carbs that turn into sugar and they feed the candida. And so these are really tricky microorganisms. And I, I find that having this understanding and being able to teach this framework to my clients, one, take it kind of depersonalizes the shame that comes along with, you know, struggles with eating and eating habits and sugar addiction. Mm -hmm. um, and it helps to, again, have context, helps to zoom out and hopefully empower them to kind of take account 
accountability for shifts. Um, my, my goal is always to get people to be in charge of their guts rather than have their guts be in charge of them, right? Like we have to be in relationship with our gut microbiome, with our, with these microbes that live within us. Um, but many, many, many people walk around with their gut microbes driving them rather than them driving their microbes. And we can change how our microbial colonies um, exist within a few days of shifting our eating habits. Not that it's easy. It is very hard, like I mentioned, but <laughs> it it directly impacts our mental health and our mental health impacts how we eat. So it's all, it's a vicious, vicious, mm-hmm. very interrelated cycle. Yeah, it really is. And it's so fascinating. I mean, I felt, I did feel like a completely different person once I started going on, you know, a gut healing protocol or just starting to take care of my health in different ways. And it's fascinating because it, we attach so much of our identity to how we feel on average, you know, and how we show up like, oh, I am lazy or I am, um, you know, like, I don't have good mental clarity or like, I'm not as smart or whatever. And a lot of this can be related to the state of your gut and your health overall. And so it's, it is really empowering once you start to take that back and make the connection and start to discover that that, oh, that wasn't actually who I was. It was just a part of me, like as a, as a symptom almost of what was going on internally. And so what are some tips or some of the protocols that are, um, yeah, that you use to help people start to heal their gut and, you know, create a better environment through which their mental health can thrive as well? Yeah. I always say awareness is the first step and just becoming aware of what you eat and how you feel after you eat, right? A lot of people aren't are making the connection of like, oh, every time I eat potatoes, let's stick with that, right? Like I feel like pretty lethargic an hour later. But because Mm -hmm. there's that time gap, you're just, you're not connecting the dots. And so starting to, you know, make that connection of like, okay, how do I feel after I eat? What's my energy level like? What's my mood like? Do I have any drastic mood shifts? Can I connect those mood shifts to something that I'm habitually doing? And maybe it's, you know, once a week that I that I eat this thing or that I drink the soda. But when I do that, is there a connection to how I sleep that night? Is there a connection to my digestion, right? Um, and just starting to track those things, even if you're not writing them down, like I am I'm not like super into like the intense tracking or like anything super prescriptive, but just starting to give yourself permission to just notice. Mm -hmm. Because once you start to notice, like, oh yeah, every time I eat that thing, I feel really sad or depressed the next day. Then you start to build that, that pathway of like, okay, do I have the, like, do I have the time and space to feel sad tomorrow if I eat this today? Like, sure, maybe I do. Or maybe I don't because I know I have something really important tomorrow and I need to feel well. Right. And so then you start to put yourself you know, in this position of power of deciding, like, I, I'm going to eat what serves me versus, you know, what I'm craving in the moment. And so giving yourself sovereignty in that way is really, really huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel like all healing, you know, the moment that you start to take it back into your own hands and, and making a choice of like, even just becoming aware of what it is that it's affecting you and then slowly starting to make changes that way. It's so much more empowering than just taking advice from someone of what to eat or what not to eat and then implementing it, but not really understanding like where the changes came from. Um, Cause I've done both approaches and you know, one might sound a little bit more tedious or take a little bit longer, but in the long run, it's so much more empowering to have that choice. Cause then you understand what 
like the choices you're making, how they're influencing your, your behavior and your mood and your energy levels and such. And then you can decide, like, if you want to eat that, knowing what, knowing how you feel afterwards, like, at least that's your personal choice. And you don't have to carry all the shame and the feelings with you of not understanding where something comes from. And then um, for food, like, what do you, what have you seen has helped? Or maybe, yeah, I, I would assume it's with food, but like, what are some of the the greatest changes that you've seen by like something you implement? Does that make sense? Like something that, like a change that clients have made within their diet that has made the most change or most impact? Yeah, I mean, I would say for for myself, my focus has always been sugar. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally think, specifically cane sugar not talking about you know fruit and honey and you know that's all that's all fine and dandy I have no problem with it um unless there is a for sure a candida overgrowth then that's a different story um but I would say you know sugar gluten alcohol those are kind of the the three key and and lactose as well um since so many people are lactose intolerant and love to love to avoid that mm-hmm. truth um i would say those are the the key items that i kind of always have my eye on is gluten particularly just because it's so intensely modified right it often has it wreaks havoc in our system and it's kind of just this easy thing to be able to pull out um and sugar yeah always sugar is, is mm-hmm. the number one. I think that it impacts us. It shifts our behavior. So many people say I'm addicted to sugar. Sugar is a drug, right? But nobody's treating it like it's a drug. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is. We know that it's more addictive than cocaine. And yet it is in the food that we eat every single day. You know, mm-hmm. babies are eating it. Brains are developing on it. Um, and when you really take it out and then start to experiment with small, small doses, you're able to see just how intense of a drug it is. Um, and so that has been my personal journey. I, again, I'm not prescriptive. I'm not a registered dietitian, so I can't go too deep into client's diet. What I really do Mm -hmm. focus on is more the behavioral side of things and helping them notice and helping them work around, okay, why is it hard to take this thing out or what, you know, what's blocking you here and then doing more Mm -hmm. deep work on that. Um, but I, I think that that's kind of, that's always an issue, the sugar. Yeah, it really is. And it's, it's tough these days because, you know, we live in a society, especially here in America, that doesn't make it very easy, you know, and most people are in survival mode and they're just trying to do the best they can to feed themselves and their families. And unfortunately, a lot of the packaged foods just have these ingredients that we're not even really aware of. And, um, and a lot of it is for the purpose to make more money and for the business to grow, you know, so yeah. it, it just takes a little bit of conscious awareness to start looking at like the ingredient list and trying to come back to whole foods and nature. But even looking at the behavioral side of it, what I've, what I've noticed too, through my, my journey, cause just to give you a little bit of, of background, like I started very much with diet and lifestyle thinking that that was like the end all be all. And, you know, being just very obsessed about obsessive with like the foods I was eating and the time that I was eating and how I was like, just all the little specifics and nuances of that, which again, diet is really important. But what I noticed is that almost brought me into more, uh, more dysfunction, because I became so stressed about all the little choices I was making, and too like hyper aware about it. And so I was putting myself into a state of fight or flight, from which your gut absolutely cannot do its job. And so and again, this is something we know, like people understand that stress is like the leading cause of disease these days. And yet, 
we don't give it as much importance, almost like the sugar correlation too, like we know, but we're not actually implementing it as much. And I think a lot of it is people don't really understand how to. Um, but so it's, I think it's really interesting to, to look at it both ways, because you can just focus on the food if you want to, but also focusing on like your mental state, which in turn is going to help your gut health too. So if you have anything to say about that, I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, I mean, it's it's all so incredibly connected and it can be hard to tease apart, right? Because if you're feeling stressed mm-hmm. and you can't afford good food, right? Like then that's going to impact your gut health, but then also, right? Like you're eating, right? Like the, it's, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, even if people are aware, our society is, is set up for the cheap food to be accessible, for the fast food to be crappy, right? Like it's really hard to break free of these structures, um, and so it's, it is tricky, but I'm glad that you brought like the vagus nerve into this. And, you know, we, we do have to be regulated in order to be able to rest and digest our food. And if we're not, then it's not mm-hmm. getting digested well. We're, we're not going to be, you know, reaping the benefits of those nutrients. Um, and so it is so deeply entangled. It can be really hard mm-hmm. to like tediously like pull those things apart um, and doing so in a way that doesn't feel stressful or intense or like all or nothing. Right. And so that's kind of what I'm speaking to of like, I don't, I don't ever like prescribe a diet. I mean, that would be outside of my, Mm -hmm. my job duties in general. But um, I think again, like going back to like awareness is the best thing you can do of just starting to like draw these connections yourself Um, because then you're able to, you know, take back Mm -hmm. your power and figure out what works for you. The goal is always to get to intuitive eating, but having you, your intuition leading it, not your gut, you know, dysbiosis leading Mm -hmm. what it is you're craving. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. And like, everyone is so unique. And that's another, you know, another reason why I love all of these different modalities, because you don't have to do them all. And some might not resonate with you at all, but like finding your unique blueprint and what works for you, what feels good and understanding yourself is really the key back to health because health is, it's a unique to you as a, as a person. And um, I also just want to throw in there, in there for people who are struggling really hard to like change their diet or whatnot, even something simple you can do is start getting out into nature more because um, Dr. Zach Bush, I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he's really big on diversity you know and getting back into ecosystems that are more diverse because our healthy gut is a diverse ecosystem and we've kind of lost diversity um because of many different factors and so starting to like breathe in different ecosystems and get your hands in the dirt again and just being outside and that that alone can help with our health too so there's there's many approaches but again like i just think it's so fascinating correlation that it has to your mental health and the moment that you experience those changes for yourself, it's like, oh, wow, okay. And then you just kind of become more intrigued by it and more willing to to make those changes and stick to them. So um, so I really love that you're passionate about gut health too. I think that that's a really cool thing that, again, I feel like the the mainstream approach to therapy or, or Western medicine, like a lot of times leaves out nutrition and gut health. And it's like, it's so deeply correlated. So to, to be including at least a piece of that, um, the awareness of it is, I think is really huge. So just, uh, appreciating you for, for taking the time to learn that and and share that with people. Um, yeah. 
Okay, and then the last kind of big modality here that I'd love to talk on is sound healing, sound therapy. Um, I know that you and your partner are, are, are huge on this too and very passionate about the healing potential of sound. And I am brand new to this, but I'm already like, wow, the potential. Like I, I realized the potential there. And so I'm just interested to hear more about your experience with sound and how you incorporate that into your work and the power that it has to help people heal from certain patterns or trauma. Yeah, I love sound. I mean, I think it's incredibly powerful. What pulled me in was was drums, drumming. So not mm. like a traditional sound healing modality, but I find that it is so incredibly healing, especially for the feminine spirit to like tune into mm. what can come through when we drum that might not be able to come through with how our voices have been blocked by society and the, the patriarchy over time. And so I incorporate you know, some drumming into my practice and, and that's kind of more of my route. Um, but we do incorporate my partner and I incorporate sound healing into, um, our past life regression offering. We offer, it's kind of like our community offering is that we do group past life regressions. I do the past life regression. He does the sound healing component. Um, and ultimately it just is so incredibly helpful and allowing people to settle into their bodies and again tune down their mind the way that I conceptualize it is goes hand in hand with the way that I conceptualize everything is that it's all energy right like mm -hmm. everything is energy every maladaptive experience or pattern or um diagnosis uh is energy right like depression that's your energy is too low and it's and anxiety is that like you have too much energy and it's all pooling up in your head, right? And so what I find is that sound healing can help to essentially move that energy and regulate it and shift it without you even having to necessarily speak. And so it can be really beautiful to bring that in and to feel influenced or affected by these frequencies that that are affecting us, right? Like we are mostly water. We're I don't even, you know, we're a huge, a huge percentage of our body of our being is water. Um, and I almost said this earlier about, you know, yes, nature is a great way to, to start to feel better, to feel healthier. Water is another big way, right? Like we drink bulk water, but if we, if we switch over to structured water, we're going to feel very different. Same with our bodies, right? Like when we tend to our watery beings, you know, by way of sound or just, you know, nice words, how we treat ourselves, um, things shift. And so sound is such an incredible medicine and beautiful mechanism to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that you incorporate sound into all of it. Because first of all, it's a modality that doesn't really require us to do anything. I feel like it's one of the most passive healing modalities out there. That's just you just sit there and absorb it. And like, it's penetrating so deeply into your cells and your being and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's a really enjoyable experience. And to incorporate that with other modalities like the past life regression seems just such a powerful way to like get into that relaxed state of being, which I think is really the goal with healing in general is like, if we're able to drop out of our heads, like you said, and enter this state, that's just so much more relaxed than you are in your day to day life, you're able to access more of your own wisdom and your own blocks. And then kind of allow yourself to do the healing like so much of it seems like like I really think we're like self-healing machines as long as we can give ourselves the the proper environment and and safety to to get there to to enter those different spaces so it's really beautiful to see 
you know, this put into like an actual therapeutic ses- um, setting and see how you can, how can you can use all of these different methods to, to really help people get there. So cool. Um, and then I was going to ask you one last question. So before we jump into some of the rapid fire questions that I finish off every podcast with, but just interested to hear your thoughts of um, healing alone versus in community, because you, you obviously do both. You do one-on-one sessions a lot, but then you, it seems like you also do a lot of community work. And um, I feel like both are are powerful in their own way, but yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Because I feel like it, up until now, it has been very common to heal on your own and like do the journaling work and do the meditations on your own and whatnot. But I've experienced so much healing without even really intentionally going into it with that intention, but like in community, just being around people who are also doing the work, who are vibrating at a higher frequency, who are opening up and, and creating safety. It just, I feel like it allows for such deep healing to happen. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts as a therapist. Yeah, thank you for this question. I think about this often and I'm so grateful and thrilled to be alive in a time where community healing is coming back to the forefront because I think it is so incredibly important. It's critical. Um, you know, <laughs> humans, we are, we're connect. like, what am I trying to say? We are, our being, our existence is so interdependent. Like we need others. We need relationship in order to survive and thrive. And so in that same vein, right? Like when we're able to connect, when we're able to be in community doing this work together and seeing that we're not alone in this and being able to regulate our nervous systems with each other, it is so, so potent, so incredibly potent. And I love getting to do the group past the regressions and, you know, holding that energy, even though nobody's talking, everybody's just like journeying deeply by themselves. Um, it feels like the the impact is exponential. Like it is so potent. Same thing with, you know, in these training weekends where I'm, I'm holding space and seeing all of these therapists sit with ketamine at the same time and just how the whole group deepens together over the course of a weekend. Um, it's just so so beautiful to to create safety like that is that is what we need is if we can create these safe spaces where people feel comfortable and grounded and able to really kind of like peel back the layers that our regular modern day society requires of us then we're again creating these neural pathways that allow people to feel better in connection and so i think that it's it's really important uh, that we have these spaces and that people are able to access them and experience them. And I think, you know, we have to find a way to make them more accessible and more regular because now we're in this space where therapy is, is, you know, destigmatized and becoming more and more of a norm. Um, and now we need to do the same for group healing spaces. So Mm -hmm. it's an exciting time to be alive. It really is. It really, really is. And I couldn't agree more. I think that there's just something so beautiful about what happens within you when you are in a group that is opening up, even if, even if there's no talking or anything, you know, like in the past life regression sessions with groups, I can imagine that just being in the energy of people opening up within themselves, like what that does to the people around them energetically, you can feel that it's how we start to let our walls down and connect in these more intimate ways that just creates a new neural pathway that like you are able to be 
more of yourself and it's okay and it's allowed and it's encouraged and that just does something to your being and (laughs) I don't know what the science is behind that but I've definitely felt it and so it's just exciting to hear to hear the reflection of how you're actually seeing that in in these spaces that you're creating gives me so much hope for what what we can do together you know I think it's it's cool. It's like you take a lot of the healing that you do on your own. And then once you apply it to like community too, it's like you're actually integrating it, it seems. And so, so much potential there, but thank you so much for sharing all of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I'll just jump into a couple of these rapid fire questions before we start to wrap things up. Um, these are just some fun questions to, to share a little bit more. Um, the first one being, what is one of the most important lessons you've learned along the way? Trust yourself. Always trust yourself. Intuition over everything else. Beautiful. Top three health and wellness practices that you do consistently. Mm-hmm. Journaling. I find that again, zooming in, zooming out, reflecting on mm-hmm. my day is really important. Drinking a lot of water, clearing the system. And honestly, celery juice. I love celery juice. It makes me feel so good. I'm addicted. <laughs> in a good way (laughs) yeah (laughs) a good addiction um what is a book that you'd recommend for people wanting to dive deeper into anything of this that we just talked about yeah i would say through time into healing by dr brian weiss he is the the person who founded modern day past life regression therapy as we know it he is amazing he is the person who i did my training with um and it's just a fascinating um basically like case conceptualization of how past life regression therapy has helped so many people to heal so many different ailments. Wow. I'm really interested in that. Okay. Awesome. And then the last question, this podcast is called home to self, which has a lot of different meanings, but what would you say coming home to yourself means to you? Hmm. It means feeling settled in my body and my system and my being again, like having that clear channel that I referred to earlier, just again, being to f- being able to fully trust myself and my body. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's what really all these modalities are doing. I feel it's like they're reconnecting you with the more pure, like calm essence that you are. And that allows you to create safety within and trust. And then you start to live your life you know, based on that, not so much on the fears and the opinions of others. And so it's so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you're doing this work. It's really, really inspiring to see. And um, I'm excited to hopefully do a, a past life regression, hopefully in a group that would be really fun. So looking forward to that. And before you jump off, please let people know how they can connect with you or work with you if they're interested or if they're in the Colorado area. Do you do any online um, client sessions or just in person? I do virtual, mostly virtual. I do have a little bit of in-person availability, but primarily virtual, especially past life regression. Um, I'm licensed as a therapist, as a social worker in Colorado and in Texas. So I'm available as a therapist in those states virtually. Um, And then past life regression, I can do for anybody, no matter where you are. I've done them for people all over the world virtually. It works wonders. Um, and folks can find me on Instagram at HR Shoshana. So that's H-R-S-H-O-S-H-A-N-A. And then my website is hannashoshana.com. And you can, you know, reach out to me via email. You find it all there. And I'm happy to always chat with anybody who's interested in any of this and have a consultation and see how we can potentially work together in the future. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. And I'll include all of your info below too, so they can access it easier. But thank you so much for coming on for all the work that you do. It is so needed in the world. And yeah, it's just beautiful to be connected with people that are not just doing this work, but also doing it on themselves. Like it's really obvious that, you know, you have such a grounded embodied presence. And so to me, it's, it's really obvious and intriguing that you're doing this work on yourself and, and therefore helping others through that too. So thank you for walking the talk and for sharing all of this with us. I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much, Lily. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and let us know what you took away from this episode. Reach out to both Hannah and I. We'd love to hear from you and we will talk to you soon.